Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. So, Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. This is a fun episode for me with one of the people I've known uh, longest in business, Michelle Accardi. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Miles. Uh, I think you're the real black belt in business uh, from my experience. Oh, well, thank you. We we, uh, we love interviewing the ones like you that run uh, run successful companies and have done it multiple times. So I wanted to start with a very basic question, uh, which is I've known you from your star to star days up to your time now as the CEO of Logically, um, which is one of those kind of best kept secret, very large medium-sized businesses that not everyone's maybe heard of because you're not in B2C. Uh, but maybe for the audience, you could just introduce yourself and uh, and Logically. Sure. So, uh, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Accardi. I'm the CEO of Logically, which is a large security-focused managed uh, services provider. And we provide services for companies as small as five people up to 400,000 employees with a full gamut of capabilities for IT outsourcing, for uh, cloud transformation, for cybersecurity. In fact, we have our own cybersecurity division called Certant. Uh, so it's a really awesome uh, group of people who are focused on just providing the best IT and security support for customers across the globe. And and you guys have grown. I mean, in terms of MSPs, you're like 40 times the size or 50 times the size of the average MSP in America. You're a big, big company now. Yeah, thir- thir- we've, we've grown both organically and through uh, roughly 13 acquisitions. Uh, so, you know, what we love is the heart of that local MSP that really has the care for the local business, uh, but backed up by a national capability uh, that when you have expertise that's needed in a specific technology that may not be held at the local level, that now you can pull on this much larger organization. And that's that's really the platform that we've built. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. So to go back in your career, I know you had a very successful tech sales career before then becoming a CEO and now uh, this being, I think, at least the second time you've been in the seat. So maybe uh-huh. you can take us back. How did your career start? So you, oh gosh, like, I had no idea. no idea that I was going to be in technology, Miles. It was it was the farthest thing from my mind. I I got a degree in political science, uh, and I had dreams of being an actress. I moved to New York to uh, pursue that dream. Very quickly realized, gosh, this is a lot harder. Uh, than I thought it would be. Uh, and I really uh, did not want to be, you know, living in my grandparents' basement forever. Uh, so I uh, moved back to Florida after a stint in a short stint in New York and found myself looking for a job while I was going to go to law school because I had an undergraduate in poli sci. And there was this technology company that was advertised online. And it sounded like a really great, great culture, you know, pool tables, dartboards. Uh, and I was, I was intrigued. So I went there and came with my resume and cover letter uh, in hand and was lucky enough that uh, the CFO was at the front desk that day because their admin had not shown up and uh, thought that my cover letter was funny. It said something like, this is not a chain letter, but if you throw it away, you'll be missing out on a million dollar opportunity. So in, a, in any case, I wound up 
getting a job really more as a girl Friday around the office to do whatever was necessary. Um, and, but I quickly was interested in what they were doing. They were modernizing uh, mainframe technology, making, putting a GUI front end on it uh, to webify it. And, uh, started asking a lot of questions, asking to help sales, asking to help IT. And before I knew it, I had fell, fell in love with this company. They gave me a full-time job. And that company then got acquired by a company called CA Technologies, uh, which uh, re- it was, has since been acquired by Broadcom for about $19 billion. But I grew up then within CA over 17 years from uh an admin, tech support, marketing, sales enablement. Uh, and when I left CA, I was vice president of digital transformation, digital marketing. And I got offered a job, ironically enough, by the first company that I had worked for, a company called Infresco. It had a leader by the name of uh, Norm Worthington. And uh, I got a call um, by the recruiter for uh, for Norm's new company, which was Star to Star Communications, for a CMO job. So I'm really glad that I didn't screw things up when I was 20. <laughs> so that, that, you know, when I was in my 30s, I could get that phone call to go take that opportunity. And then uh, Star to Star was, you know, a small uh, startup when I got there. And when I left, it was, you know, just south of $100 million. And Really exciting that we were able to do, uh, you know, a, a divestiture to uh, Sangoma uh, for uh, $437 million. So success, wow. very successful exit. Um, really uh, was a great part of my career direct trajectory, you know, from CMO to chief operating officer to president and CRO of that organization. Uh, and then that led me to a board opportunity at Logically. Uh, the Riverside companies asked me to be part of that. And uh, in October of this last year is when I made the switch over to become CEO of Logically, which has just been a great journey so far. Now, those are just mind boggling numbers when you talk about. So when you, basically from startup to 400 plus million dollar exit. Like, <laughs> did you have any idea when you left the behemoth of CA that star to star was going to become this or do you, is it just kind of serendipitously evolve? You know, I, I always hoped it would, right. That's what I saw. I saw this huge opportunity, um, the unified communication space when I joined in 2013 was still just burgeoning. Right. So I saw this as just a fantastic opportunity, uh, to be able to help companies, better their communications paths. Now imagine if UCAS wasn't here, Unified Communications wasn't available during COVID. Mm -hmm. What would the world have looked like? I mean, we really felt, I think people say they felt isolated during COVID. Imagine how much worse it would be. So to know that I was on the front lines of technology that really helps humanity, (laughs) you know, uh, certainly is an awesome feeling to know that that was something that was part of my background. And now that I'm taking in to Logically, which again is a company that's all about 
enabling businesses, both large and small, um, Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to use great productivity tools, um, whether that's Microsoft, whether that's moving to the cloud, whether that's um, using communication tools to help them, but really getting to understand the business needs and then delivering solutions that answer those needs. And, and it strikes me the times I've seen you in a room, like with your star to star team or how you lead logically. Now you seem to have this rare ability to think big picture, like, you know, boardroom strategy or whatever, but still care about the details. And and the reason I ask you is I've seen when you were at star to star, your people embody the same behaviors that, you embody, which is what every leader aspires to is how do you get other people to be honest or generous or like have a Sean Corrigan working so hard or a um, Jeff Hunter? Like I've just I've met a lot of the people and I'm so curious, is that why you create other leaders because you're willing to get in the trenches, but you don't get too in the trenches? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's a struggle for me, right? Uh, To be honest with you, I'm I while I'm a strategist, I also just love to operate. So I love to be very close to the customer. Um, But it I know that the only way you scale a business is to get other people to do that with you. Um, So for me, one thing I don't struggle with is being authentic. Um, And so ultimately, I just am authentically who I am with my people and say, look, I need you to do these things. Um, The how is less relevant to me. Um, um, Let me empower you to go do that. And then I'll stand beside you. You need me to pick up the shovel. You need me to do something to help you You have an upset customer. I'll get I'll take I'll take the slings and arrows. I'll do whatever I need to do to help give you the air cover, but I want to make you as successful as possible. And I want you to do the next thing with the person that's working beside you or in your downline. I want that to be how um, I grow a business because it's not really about all these companies. Um, So don't get me wrong. I love Star to Star. Uh, I think Sangoma, who acquired them, is great. Um, Logically, the company that I am leading today is amazing. But ultimately, it's about relationships that transcend companies um, because we are human beings. And ultimately, you know, there's all this talk about marketplaces and ecosystems. But at the end of the day, behind all those things are still people, um, people who have business problems. And I want people I want to be engaged with people um, as customers, as vendors, as employees who can where we can trust one another and bring our challenges and just work through them together. Um, Ultimately, I think that that's how you drive really good business, because there's always going to be problems. Uh, I don't care with what you sell, what you know, there's people, process and technology involved. Something will go wrong somewhere. Uh, and it's all about who's on the other end of the email or the phone, who's going to care enough, put a sense of urgency around something to help you meet whatever your uh, your need or goal is. Um, and too often today, I think people use all these different communication mod- modalities as an excuse not to really engage, not to really get to know people. And for me, leadership is all about people. It's all about engaging and creating those long-term relationships and those long-term wins. So I think that's really, frankly, how I, you know, you and I got to build a relationship, right? I mean, you helped us a lot 
um, during COVID with building our social media strategy. And uh, that has just evolved over time and has been just awesome. So, you know, I think your our relationship is a good example of that. And something I wanted to highlight, just because I know you have thousands of customers. I have, you know, some hundred something customers. And one of the things that I never realized, because you read all these business books like Scaling Up or Tom Peters, and I've never heard anyone talk about how you treat your vendors matters. But you had this interesting anecdote you told me the other day about how your perspectives changed on this. And I have experienced the other side of if you call my cell phone at night at night, I am happy to pick it up and talk to you. Like I am like there's no friction in the way that you've ever treated me. Whereas I, there's so many times where we all fall prey to you can only get yelled at and on the like so many mean emails so many times before you start to disengage. Can you talk through your transformation? Because I've experienced oh, sure. the kind of your 2.0 view of this as your vendor now, but I think it, it's evolved for you a little. Oh, it certainly has. So, you know, I can remember, you know, when I was young in my, in my 20s and, you know, leading marketing teams and I thought it was about getting the best deal and I got to beat up my vendors and I got to, you know, and that adversarial relationship just doesn't work. Um, and, you know, I was lucky that, uh, first of all, I had some great vendors who over the years who actually cared about me um, and who were like, Michelle, you can't act like that. You can't you can't allow your teams to act like that. Um, and ultimately, I took some good advice from some of them <laughs> when I was in my 20s. Uh, and then when I was at Star to Star, where initially I didn't have big budgets um, uh, to get things done, where I could call on some of these vendors that then I had built these kinds of relationships uh, and they had seen an evolution for me. And ultimately they helped me. I needed certain campaigns. I needed things. And then as I've grown, those companies have grown with me uh, along the way. And, you know, I just think, you know, sometimes people think that you've got to be this hard ass, you've got to be, but the reality is you get more, you know, like with honey than with vinegar. It's true with relation with, with, and I also think transparency is a huge piece of this. Like, you don't have to tell someone, um, you know, or be so close to the vest with what your budget is. I love to be able to say, like, here is what I have. This is the budget I have. Here's the goals I need to meet. Can you help me? And ultimately, let you tell me that budget's not going to get you there, but here's what it gets you. And then I can measure that against maybe there are other vendors who I can have the same conversation with and I can I can then evaluate what's going to be the right play. But everything is in an honest, trans, transparent way. And I think that that just helps. It helps everything move faster. And in this market, everything is about speed. Um, so ultimately, the more transparent you can be, the more... Uh, kind uh, when it's not going to work out, you know, that's the other piece of this is I think a lot of times when vendor relationships aren't working out, people are afraid to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. I think it's a perfect opportunity to go back to that vendor and say, we're not getting the leads. We're not getting the service or the support. Can you change that? How can you change that trajectory? Because I want to be able to keep and give that person an opportunity, that vendor an opportunity to make it right. Because sometimes, you know, maybe it's something they don't know. They, you know, again, we're all running businesses. As I said, people process technology, there could be something that goes wrong. Um, 
So giving people that opportunity to make it right, sometimes they go over and above. And sometimes they go, you know what, at this point in our trajectory, we can't meet that need. So let's not worry about early termination. Let's just let you go and let you do what you need to do. But if you're transparent, it's much easier to have that happen. Yeah. And and it's so interesting because it's not... Everyone uses words like kindness, and it's like that's a very hard to define thing. It really is just honesty in the sense of because if you're honest with someone, like I only have this much budget, like I I have pressure on me. I'm here to help you to tell you, like, but it just it diffuses the emotion. And what I've noticed is when people get emotional, is when all that carnage happens. And then, like you said, you're either like if you are in a situation where you need a new job or need a new or whatever, like you don't have a lot of people you can call. And that's where it feels like in your career, even seeing you transition to logically, the relationships you've built and the reputation you have with getting in things like the CRN, uh, you know, top channel, like woman of the channel, which I know is a very big accolade. Like those come over time by treating people well. And it, and you have to view it as you're really playing a 40 year game, not a two week game. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know where other people are going to end up. You know, a vendor today could be a customer tomorrow or an employee. So relationships just really matter. Uh, Like I said, I'm so glad that when I was 20 years old, not really considering a career in tech, that I still put my effort in and did really well that 17 years later, when a recruiter from another company uh, called me, I didn't, you know, I wasn't left out of that game because I did something that I shouldn't have when I was 20 years old. So I think there's a message for young people who are just getting into technology there too is, you know, I, I know today uh, there there's ghosting and there's it, better to just be open and honest if something doesn't work out or isn't a fit say it and say why, because companies want to understand why things are good or bad, um, whether it's a vendor employee or uh, or customer relationship. Yeah. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I noticed that on, in sales, so many customers ghost salespeople <laughs> and then three months later call back and say, hey, now we need logically. And they don't realize they're training your mind as to that's the, your only impression of them as their vendor is that they were willing to ignore you. <laughs> and now they're, and it's just, and it does. Yeah. And people act like it shouldn't have any bearing, but it, of, of course it does. So I want to pivot slightly. So I know the, the CRN designation I touched on a second ago is, is a really big deal. I know they've done uh, for women in technology. It's probably like the highest individual award I've seen since my days at EMC that you can be given. Um, and you seem like you're constantly on these lists. So I know you also have five kids. Six, actually. Six kids. Sorry, six <laughs> kids. Well, okay, yeah. So I'm one of six kids as well. Uh, so, so what I wanted to ask you was, you strike me. The times I've seen you on stage, like you have it all together professionally. Like you can email at 10 at night and you never miss an email. And I've seen this for years. Uh, but you also have six kids, and you seemingly have found a way to do both really well. And I wanted to see if you could share, because there's so many females in this tech industry that we're both a part of that I, I think are struggling to know how to do that because of this joint either responsibility or desire to have a family 
and this desire to really um, put their best forth professionally. Well, yeah. I'm glad I fooled you. That's all I can say, Miles. But ultimately, you know, I have good days and bad days, just like everyone else. Um, but the one thing that I have allowed myself is, uh, and thankfully I have the resources to have, is I have a lot of help around me. Um, I, you know, I have a nanny, my boy, I have my twin three-year-olds that go to daycare and then they get picked up by a nanny in the evening. And that, you know, and sometimes do I have mom guilt about that? Um, you know, when, when she's giving them a bath and not me, sometimes I do, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I've been the primary breadwinner in my family because um, my husband stayed home with the kids when they were really young and through the pandemic. And my older children are actually stepchildren who lost their mom and went through a really tough time. Uh, so my husband stayed home to, to be there for them. I'm lucky I have those support systems. Uh, you know, I don't know that it would be as easy. And in fact, if anything, it's made me more empathetic to my employees, to my customers, to my vendors who have been dealing with family challenges and dynamics, um, you know, it is very, very tough. Uh, and so just because somebody looks like they have it all together, first of all, don't believe it. Uh, like I said, there are there are plenty of days where, uh, you know, I am I am not uh, at, at the uh, I'll, I'll say just fully functional with regards to being a mom uh, and a CEO. But I Again, when those days come, I, I don't dwell in them, right? I have my moment to deal with what I have to deal with on the family side, deal with what I have to deal with on the business side, ask for help. I think asking for help is the most important thing because when you ask for a, for a community to support you, whether it's your husband, wife, uh, parents, what have you, uh, friends, Many times people will come if, if you tell them that you need them, but they don't know if you don't open your mouth and you don't tell them. So uh, I'm really big about communicating what my needs are. Um, the, the other thing is um, know that certain things are just going to hit the floor sometimes, uh, you know, and when they hit the floor, you um, certainly have to own up to it <laughs> um, if you've overextended yourself um, and I find people are very kind and understanding uh, these days, maybe more so than had been in the past, but just own up to it. That's the other piece of it. And uh, and don't believe everything you see in social media. <laughs> that that I have learned. I, I've seen, because we both work with small businesses, you see so many that come up with these revenue, like an agency. And it's like, oh, we've grown to $50 million in six months. It's like it's like they got one client like McDonald's that buys forty nine and a half million dollars of Facebook ads and they make five hundred thousand dollars of revenue. And yeah. so you're like, oh, like that makes more. And so you're right. Social media has created this. I'm never. And the same thing you see it with uh, with moms is because now now that I'm married, I uh, I'm privy to more of you know how mom Instagramming works. So it's all the boys are you know perfectly in their pressed clothes, but then you don't see the twenty minutes later when they're throwing play doh at each other's faces. Yeah. Or, 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 or for me, I can't get my boys like into a car um, without like a 20 minute fight about them sleep sitting in their car seats versus the regular seats and or, you know, that they want to get dressed on their own. They don't want mom to do it. And then don't even get me into my 14 year old and 17 year old, well, my 14 year old who sleeps all day and plays 
uh, on his Oculus all night screaming and yelling at it. Or my 17 year old who, uh, you know, is wants to be an adult, but isn't quite ready to be it. And then a 24 year old who's in pharmacy school and has a, 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 a baby and she's working super hard and a 25 year old who's just gone out on her own as well. So I see all the the spectrums of it. And like I said, there are days that it's overwhelming. Um, but most days, again, it's just like any other relationship, being open, honest, direct about what I need, what they need. Because that's the one thing I tell my kids all the time is, you know, mom's got a big job and has a lot of work to do. So I need you. I may not always be as observant as I need to be. But if you need me, you're my number one priority. So you tell me that you need me and I'm there. I will, whatever is going on, I will be there. Um, but if you don't tell me, don't hold me accountable to something that you can't, that you can't voice. Um, now that doesn't mean I have, I still have a responsibility of a parent to sort of keep, keep an eye out, but I'm trying to teach them that, um, that it's communicating their needs is one of the most important things that they can do to have a successful life. Um, uh, I, I think it's really important that communication is, and it's something that's, I feel very lacking uh, in many in many people these days. I can't even say young people because I see it in people uh, my age as well, but having transparent conversation and not walking away from hard, crucial conversations. Yeah, I, I've seen that so many times with, uh, with my friends over the years when you see different parenting styles because some of these parenting styles are just avoiding conflict or are, you know, we don't want to upset the kid and the kid's like in seventh grade and they have all the leverage over the parent. Yeah. You're thinking like that's not going to look good at when they're 22. Yeah. Like well, you have to find this ability to be honest with them of like, yeah, it, it's tricky. And when you're, when you're a step, you know, I'm, my, my kids have all come to me via, I call it acquisition. So just like I've done lots of acquisitions at Logically, I've done lots of acquisitions in my family life. You know, I have three stepchildren, 25 to 17. I have a 14 year old, which is their half brother from when their mom passed that we took. uh, And then uh, when I was at Star to Star, one of my employees asked me to adopt her grandchildren. Um, that were three months old and now are three and a half uh, years old today. Um, so we're so through that process, you know, one of the things that I've learned is, uh, especially with kids who come through trauma or people who come through trauma. And by the way, this is as applicable to business as it is to family life. Is you have to come at everything with a sense of empathy, um, and know that people want to be treated how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. Um, And that's been a little bit of a learning curve for me as a step parent, uh, is that it's not about how I think things should be, but about how they think things should be. Um, You know, my my 17 year old stepdaughter, when she was 13, she said to me, you know, was it my mom, since my mom passed, I don't have, you know, I used to be able, if I was upset with you guys, I could go to my mom's house. and for me, that was a foreign concept. I have parents who were married 51 years. I, I didn't real, but for her, it was a very real thing. Like she had a place to run when there was conflict. And now she felt like she didn't have any place to run. So I had to set up some of those parameters for her so that when she needed that, she could, you know, go to her friend's house or she could go. And so she could feel some sense of normalcy, but it wasn't about me. It was about her. So 
it's the same thing with employees. You know, it's understanding their perspective. Same thing for vendors and customers, understanding their perspective, not just your own. And, and it's pretty uh, incredible compliment as a leader that someone wants you to adopt their grandkids. I mean, I don't know if it gets much better from a trust. You know, a- I, I thought that originally, but now, now that they're in their, their three-nager years, I can tell you I'm not sure if that was a gift or, or a punishment. <laughs> yeah, well, very fair. Um, so, so one of the other things I want to ask you is so many times, because I'm 29, as you know, so I, I'm still very much on the... Uh, Know, trying to ascend part of my career, whereas you've had one of these very, very, you know, large successes already with Star to Star, and you're in the midst of a second at Logically. And I'd have to imagine at some point around the stage of career you are, you start to think a little bit less about what you can maybe accomplish, or you know, money, or kind of you know, like a power, or whatever, however that would be defined, you know, managing and leading and such to really think about your legacy and how you're going to use that platform. Um, and I wanted to ask you, how are you thinking about that? Is that something you consciously think about? Does it happen over time after a big exit? Like, what's that like? Yeah, no, I, well, first of all, there's never enough money when you have six kids, by the way, there's <laughs> never, <laughs> I, 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 you know, when yeah. I think about Elon Musk and all his kids, I think that's why he's doing everything he's doing too. Um, but, uh, but the reality is ultimately, Money and perceived power, um, it, it's all sort of a falsehood. You know, we see what's happening in the economy today. What really matters, again, is people and relationships, because if it all goes away, you know, what what's the foundation that's going to hold you? It's, uh, it's not going to be the almighty dollar. It's going to be people who uh, come to help you, because ultimately the uh, health is probably the, the biggest wealth, I'll call it. Um, so as I get older, you know, the things that I really think about are how, not just for my family, but for the people that I, I employ, and how do I build them a platform to have a great life um, and to enable their dreams? Um, because ultimately, companies here are here to, you know, again, help create communities and you know, I like to think that the communities today, the 13 communities that Logically does business in, uh, that all of my employees are having direct impact on the businesses. And that's a great, even greater uh, impact. So I like to think about what am I doing that continues to make that better? Because 13 communities can, you know, equal hundreds of thousands, you know, if, if I've got 500 employees, there could actually be hundreds of thousands of people who get impacted by mm-hmm. the environment that these people work in and what they do for the rest of the, the so that's how I think about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's a little too ethereal, but ultimately, if we can make it better for our employees and our employees can make it better for their, for the customers and all these customers and all the employees have families that feel that, you know, what kind of better world can we build? Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting because something I noticed from you, I remember when the last kind of recession blip and I've, I've mentioned this on LinkedIn, but when you called me and said, I want to make sure you're able to stay in business. So find something you can do for us. And I've never forgotten because I've, I don't think I've ever had any customers uh, say that to me before or since then. And what's interesting is, is you don't realize that 
I think when you're my age, you don't realize that those are the things that someday when you retire and I'm at some dinner party, like talking about your career, those are the things that you'll be proud of. And the money like start to start growing, which seems so big in the moment, just ultimately be, it feels to me like you say it just ultimately comes less importantly. It's not what you're proud of. It's not what you're. So you, you no, have to, I'm proud of seeing yeah. your growth. I'm, you know, if anything, I'm envious of, I wish in my twenties, I had the, the wherewithal to have that entrepreneurial spirit. And to me, that was why when the, when uh, COVID had hit and I was really, I was concerned because I was like, gosh, you're doing such great work. I got to make sure that you're going to stay really good through this. So you keep on that entrepreneurial path. Cause I'm so excited. I feel like my I feel like my success and your success are joined. Um, and that's how I love to see the world. I think, you know, again, if you can find the win win for people, uh, it ultimately that's the kind of world I want to live in. Right. And I want people to invest in me in the same way. So, you know, be what you want to see in the world. Yeah, no, it's inspiring because it's one of the things that sometimes you get what you focus on or what you want. And, and sometimes it's not what you ended up needing. So you might want to be a $100 million company. It actually wasn't what the world needed. But I think there's other times where you focus on the right thing, like relationships, and then all these other things follow. And that feels like in your career, like you were telling me a story the other day of you had, I mean, for you guys at the gazillions of dollars of uh, revenue, like you had like a $1,500 a month customer that you were like personally involved in. It's like, most people would think like, oh, that's below me of something. But that's like, ironically, sometimes what you focus on, like those details, like caring. Well, if I, if I don't care, do. then why should anyone else care? And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, of course, the high dollar revenue customers get attention. Those those mm -hmm. always get attention. It's mm -hmm. the ones that that are at the lower end of the spectrum that need the attention. They need the strategic advice. They need, because they don't, they're not surrounded by that. So if there's a problem, I'd rather get involved in, because I want to see that customer grow. And you know what? I might get in and go, okay, there is no growth potential here. There is no real partnership here. And then we know what we have to do in that, in that realm as well. But if I'm not willing to get in, invested, essentially, in my small customers, why would my big customers trust me to be invested in them? Uh, and why would my employees want to act with a sense of urgency if I don't? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I noticed when, uh, when I did the sales kickoff with you all those years ago in, uh, in Florida is the urgency. Cause I, this is probably the first time I met you with urgency you brought was kind of like, if you're on this team, like you're going to be enthusiastic and punctual and detailed and there's, we're not going to make excuses and seeing you do that yourself, like you said, raises the bar for everyone. Cause if you just come in and say, you know, you guys shouldn't make excuses, but they don't see that behavior in you. Of course, it's just going to fall on deaf ears. Cause like, that's just how the, I think you're, I think you're right. There's a lot of lazy leadership at the moment where people view it as this getting out of the parts of the job they don't like. Um, and it just yeah. doesn't, I don't think it scales. I think it's the economy when it's good hides it. Like because but now, now it's going to show it. And this is, you know, this is, I think, our moment to shine because we do care. And that's, um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, while while I know this is going to be a tr tremendously difficult time for a lot of companies and a lot of people, um, but I'm hopeful that companies like Logically that actually do, do have leadership and people who 
deeply care about the customer will, you know, really flourish during this time. And, you know, it's interesting. I had a, I had a, what could have been a, a negative uh, call with a customer yesterday. It turned around beautifully as well. $5,000 a month customer. Um, basically their leadership team had all um, changed and they were looking at the contract and they're like, Oh, you know, we don't have that many tickets. Why are we spending this much on? And we got on the call with them. We said, forget what the contract says, by the way, it's not just for ticketing and, and uh, support, but here are these other things. But now that you're leading the company, what do you actually need? What are the things, where are the gaps in your business? And guess what? Now that customer is likely not just going to be a $5,000 customer. It's probably going to grow from what, if I didn't get engaged, if I didn't care and wasn't, uh, it would have just been an early termination and we all go our own way. So the opportunity to get engaged, to listen, even when it's a hard conversation, is oftentimes the biggest opportunity to help the customer and to help you grow. So I don't think, I think people should lean in uh, to challenges because uh, that's how you build real relationship. You don't build relationships through just good times. It's the hard times that join people. Yeah. And, and that's what I think makes me excited about uh, the if it is a harder economic season is that like it will be something that like it has a different dimension of we all need each other a little bit more like there's yeah. a little bit more and i think when it's just frothy like people don't really think even a job is like a privilege you look at like the great depression like someone be really proud to work for logically or really proud to work for and so uh not that you'd obviously wish it on anybody uh because we'll probably feel it all the pressure as leaders as much as anyone. I think there is always opportunity. And I noticed that about your mindset. It's always positive. It's not, it's not, woe is me. This is hard. There's expectations. It's there's always opportunity. And what that is, is what, you know, we make it. Um, and I think to yeah. your point, it's cool to see that legacy be that rubbing off on other people. Yeah. And, and when there's bad days, you just have to remind yourself, as my grandmother would tell me, this too shall pass. So, uh, you know, that's what I, when, when things get really tough and I'm, you know, downtrodden, whether it's in my personal life or in my professional life, I just remember that tomorrow's another day, another opportunity to get it right, um, to, to get a big sale or to help a customer. Uh, and that helps me keep going because there's always that, that next chance. Yeah. And there's, I, I often, um, there's a really good movie on the battle of midway by this guy who sunk two aircraft carriers. It's a, it's like very, uh, like marquee movie on uh, Amazon. And it's just interesting because something that I realized is these are people that in the hardest of times, like still smiled together, still built relationships, still, you know, got married like they, and that their life compared to what we're dealing with is was so intense. And it's just proof, just like you said, that whether it's the attitude of this will pass or that there's an opportunity or at these most difficult, like Winston Churchill wouldn't be famous if he was the prime minister of Britain in not world war two. <laughs> yeah. Like we wouldn't care. And so you think like there's this opportunity of when you're most needed, when your customers most need you to be more efficient and more secure and all these things that you're solving is obvious is obviously like the most high stakes that you deliver. So it, uh, it is exciting. So I wanted to ask you if anyone wants to reach out. So I know, there could be people that wanted to partner with Logically. There could be someone who wants to be an IT customer of you, someone who wants to be an employee. So like a range of reasons someone might want to reach out. Is LinkedIn an okay way to reach you or oh, how do you feel? Those? LinkedIn is absolutely a, an okay way to reach me. Uh, I'm also happy to share uh, my email address. 
Uh, it's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot Accardi, A-C-C-A-R-D-I at Logically.com. And Logically is L-O-G-I-C-A-L-L-Y dot com. Yeah. And the last thing I'd say to anyone listening to this is uh, my knowing Michelle's made a big difference in my life. So I would highly recommend uh, getting to know her. Now, I am obviously, as you could tell from the episode, a vendor. So please don't uh, spam her with DMs all day from the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I definitely would recommend getting to know her. <laughs> Thanks so much, Miles. It's It's been a, a great pleasure being on your podcast and uh, continuing to work with you. Excited to see what the future brings. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.